Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hey, Jake. Yes, sir. Did you know it is our anniversary month? How long have we been married? (laughs) No, the show. Oh. Yes. Yeah, I did know The that, show's actually. anniversary. We are turning six years old, and to celebrate that- We're going to first grade. We're <laughs> close. We're giving a discount on our Patreon. If you join the year-long subscription to the Patreon, you can get 15% off during the month of May. You can find out everything about our Patreon at patreon.com slash thecritshow, but all tiers for the month of May are 15% off when you sign up for the annual membership. Is that as exciting as first grade? You know, now that I'm kind of remembering back to first grade, that's far better than first grade. Everybody, Rev here, your Crit Show producer, and around the table I have Tass and Jake, and we're here today to demonstrate for you the deck of stories, and we are joined today by the creator of the deck of stories, Jason Russell. Jason, how are you doing? Doing great. I'm excited to do this, guys. So we have got six decks of cards sat out in front of us. Tell us what this means. Um, it means you have a lot of cards. Um, no, so the deck of stories is basically a storytelling tool to help you create a new adventure in 15 minutes. And uh, these cards are basically versions of the things that I post on my Instagram at Critical Dice, uh, where I do a game hook. Uh, just about every day. There's over 650 of them up there now. And these represent a lot of the uh, ones that I've made over the years and turn them into a physical tool you can hold in your hand so that if you know, you've, you're going to be running a game, say it's a D&D or uh, a Powered by the Apocalypse game or whatever, and you worked late, traffic was terrible, you haven't eaten anything, and you've got like 15 minutes to prepare something, you can pull out this deck and create a one-shot, uh, the next chapter of a campaign, or just spice up a campaign that you've kind of lost the thread of or lost the passion for. And so this is uh, your your friend to help you do that. Excellent. So we're going to do this collaboratively uh, since we're all here to hang out and chat. Uh, but this is something normally that you would do by yourself. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the hard things about being a GM is that you kind of are creating in a vacuum or by yourself. And when you have someone in your life that you can create collaboratively with or bounce ideas off of, it's always way easier and way more fun. But this acts as a kind of a tool to help take the place of that if you're doing it by yourself. 
Let me just describe what the cards look like since no one else can see them is basically every card has three main features. There is the hook and the main body of it. Um, the one I picked up right now says during a masquerade ball, a dead body is discovered. 100 suspects and zero witnesses. And then everyone has next steps. These are kind of questions to help you develop the idea a little bit that says, uh, was the party uh, in the security detail? Was the deceased trying to meet with someone? And then at the very top of the card, three highlighted letters, an O, an R, or a C, which I call the orc storytelling system because I'm a giant nerd. Um, but what that represents is that this card might be good for opening action, rising action, or climatic action, kind of taking a cue from Frytalk's pyramid. And these are just suggestions, but what I typically will do is I'll shuffle the deck and I'll draw three cards. I'll look at the suggestions, I'll look at the game hook on it, and arrange them in a way that makes the most sense to me that is kind of like the opening the rising and then the climax. And what's cool about this is not only are there literally tens of thousands of possible permutations that even if all four of us were to draw the exact same three cards, we would create very, very different stories and campaigns based on those cards. And so that's kind of what I think we should do is uh, you guys can each draw a card and then we'll kind of talk about it, put it in order and flesh out the story. Okay. And we also have a handful of smaller decks and they're all themed. Right. So there were also five themed boosters with 18 cards each. And uh, the five themes are gothic, like gothic horror, hell, high water, jungle and gears for your steampunk or Eberron kind of style thing. And I keep referencing 5e in this, but this really is system agnostic. It doesn't have to be a particular game set. There's no stats or rules really referenced in any of this, but it does skew a little um, fantasy themed, but with very little work, it could be taken to a modern day setting or a futuristic setting or anything else. So yeah, so if you, any of you are kind of picking up a vibe or really want to uh, take this story in a different direction, you're welcome to grab one of the cards from the theme decks and go with that. All right, well, let's get started. Who wants to draw first? I'm on it. What deck are you going to draw from? Uh, let's, uh, I'm going to start with the main deck. Okay. Okay, I've got card 28, and it is an opener. Recent earthquakes open the entrance to a forgotten necromancer's lair. I want to draw next. Okay. Because I want to draw from high water because I want to turn this into somehow a nautical thing. Yes. <laughs> uh, all right. I got card one. You have been hired to negotiate a hostage release. They are being held by your ex. <laughs> you know, your pirate ex. My pirate ex, yeah. yeah. X does mark the spot. A. Oh, wow. This is an O or an R. I feel like I have to go gothic because of the whole necromantic vibe of this chasm being opened. I dig it. Uh, I have drawn number 13. A well-respected cleric is drunkenly shouting, they're dead. The gods are all dead. And this is O, R, or C. Nice. Oh. Wow. Okay, this is some of, one of the most diverse pulls I've seen so far with these <laughs> cards. Yeah. So let's recap what we've got. We've got recent earthquakes opened the entrance to a forgotten necromancer's lair. You've been hired to negotiate the hostage release. Uh, they're being held by your ex. A well-respected cleric is drunkenly shouting, they're dead. The gods are all dead. And again... Any order that we want, the orc system is a suggestion. And then also, if we are getting uh, a bone of contention with one of these cards, the, the narrative, we always can take it out and draw something else. So uh, what feels like the most logical order to you guys? I can't decide if it's the being hired to rescue people or 
the drunken cleric. I kind of feel like mine maybe doesn't. I feel like maybe we need to burn mine. Oh, okay. And get a new one. Just because like necromancer, cleric, and the gods are dead. Like that kind of makes sense. And then just hostage release. <laughs> like seems it seems out of place for this. Maybe narrative. her hostages are the gods. Oh, yeah. well, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Maybe this is like a uh, a dogma situation where the god <laughs> is trapped inside of just mortal bodies. We can absolutely redraw this one. However, what if your ex is dead? And the necromancer has resurrected them. Okay. All right. That's some outside the bun thinking. <laughs> that, that's outside the bun. Sorry. It's almost lunchtime here. <laughs> now I'm hungry. Thanks. Um, yeah. Whatever you want to do. Like, I'm just putting it out there. I mean, uh, we can go for something super nautical. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I like super nautical as a contemporary of supernatural. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Personally, I want to keep the card, but I think for the sake of showing the different steps and how this can go differently, let's burn it just to kind of show that and yeah, yeah. see what we get. Okay. Should I still draw from high water or should I draw from something else then? Uh, you can still draw from high water. Um, you also have the option of just picking one. You can just pick up those 18 cards and just take one that hits your fancy. Oh, there's no, okay. There's no rules to this deck. Just... just um, standard operating procedure just but there's no rules it's like solitaire no one's gonna know if you just look up and see what cards you got yeah I'm, okay i'm just gonna look <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna speed read 17 cards <laughs> i'm gonna keep in the silence in real time <laughs> <laughs> you just start counting just put up the oh, ticking of a clock one. <laughs> uh there's two okay no I, I think i like this one i think this can be this can at least be relevant to the necromancer a messenger seeks passage to deliver an urgent missive for the king. The king died five years ago. It's card 11. Nice. And it's, it's a, it can be an O or an R. So. All right. So now we've got the recent earthquakes in the Necromancer's Lair. We have the messenger trying to bring a message to the dead king and the drunk cleric. Hmm. Uh, I feel like, I don't know that it's first and second, but I think the message has to be about the Necromancer breaking free mm, see i didn't i didn't even have in my head necessarily that the necromancer was free just that a layer of a necromancer had been exposed yeah that's true i was just in my head the necromancer was down there but yeah. that doesn't mean that that's true good call and yours is a messenger trying to deliver a message to a dead king to a king that died five years ago so i feel like that could that could tie in either as like whoever's sending the message knows that a necromancer has raised the king the, you know, but we don't know that mm -hmm. or something or that like this messenger was dead and doesn't realize that like five years have passed and has been raised by oh, a necromancer. He, he just got up and went back to do his job. Yeah, like He's just like, I need to deliver this to the king. And you know, if, if we were like, what day is it? He'd be like, it's this day. What year? And he'd say like five years ago, you know, why well, it's Christmas Day, sir. <laughs> 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 yeah, Jake, I love that. Actually, I love the messenger being dead and maybe his resurrection is tied to the layer being discovered or being opened. Um, and then, Rev, what's yours? A well-respected cleric is drunkenly shouting, they're dead. The gods are all dead. Man. The gods are a family down the street. It's Joe and Sally God. <laughs> of the New Hampshire gods. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, we're not even that far into this. I love that talking about these, we already all have such different ideas of what the story is or could be because i even had the thought of like the players are the messenger taking the message to the king who's been dead for five years 
Oh. And yeah, he has been dead for five years, but because of the necromantic energy that was released, he's back and he's the one who entombed the place that has been cracked open. So it's like he knows how we have to get the know-how from him. There's like so many. Yeah. I, I like to like think about this. That last card that we haven't really touched on a bunch about the dead gods. It doesn't have to be a full story beat or the climax. It could even be a great like cliffhanger. But what it does is it informs us perhaps that something else is unleashed when the layer is revealed that leads into a next thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, like the last beat of this adventure is like, we see that cleric and understand that like, whatever we just dealt with this in, in this mystery was more than just a necromancer. Like something is wrong with divinity as a whole in yeah. this setting now. Yeah, exactly. It's a great final line before, and that's where we end the session. And I also love setting up story beats where even if the party wins, they lose. For them to deal with what's down in the lair, I know if they succeed, the unintended consequence is going to be that something's happened to Divinity. It's almost like uh, with Koshe, right? Where you're successful with Baba Yaga, but now you've unleashed something way, way worse. Yeah, I dig that. So what are we thinking? Are we thinking the messenger is the zombie or the party is the zombie or the undead for that message? I mean, I like Jake's the messenger wakes up and is like, oh, I have to continue delivering this message. I kind of like the idea that the earthquakes have happened. You know, somebody speculates or whatever, like, oh, my, you know, oh, my God, go check on this place. It was an unholy place and it might have been or whatever. And just like in going there, we encounter this messenger. And at first it's like, why are you this confused? Blah, blah, blah. And it becomes just like a breadcrumb of like, oh shit, this place is open then. Like mm. this is a, this is somebody who was dead and doesn't know it. Yes, this place must have been cracked open and we must be on the right track because we're starting to encounter the people from within it or something. Yeah. And, and that's a great thing too, is it begs the question, when does someone know they're undead, right? I mean, typically it's because they're decrepit and decayed, but if they were preserved perfectly and then brought back, well, they wouldn't know, right? Yeah. And they'd have most or if not all their faculties. And so what if there what if we split it up a little bit and we make it that there's earthquakes and the party is originally hired to deal with the earthquakes? And while they're talking to the magistrate or the 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 regent or whatever, the messenger comes, the scene plays out like Jake talked about. And so they go, Well, I mean, and he doesn't believe them. Like, well, listen, we can show you where he's buried. And they go to the mausoleum. And now there's a new opening that leads into the necromancer's lair Ooh. because of the earthquakes. What is the context for the next steps parts of the cards? At what point in this process should we employ them? So they're like a lot of the things in the cards. They're there just as prompts to help stimulate new directions of thinking. And typically, as we've said, you'll be doing this by yourself. So since we're doing it collaboratively, you'll notice we're asking questions already. We're we're already putting out the, well, what if the da-da-da-da, right? And so if you're by yourself, these are where you would use these. So if you look at the messenger uh, question, the first one is, why did it take so long? Jake's already answered that question and asked. The, the other one is, is the king still alive? Which I like that so far we've just been like, no. So, so far that we're just decidedly, no, the king is dead. But now, what if he's not? Yeah. What if, uh -huh. what if we go a completely different direction and this whole thing's a ruse? I like that. Ooh. Because then it begs the question, 
how who else knew he was alive and why do they know it what if the king is the necromancer mm-hmm. he's no, he's no, no, feigned no, no. his death so that he could do his dark work in the shadows and he accidentally forgot to cancel the messenger <laughs> he forgot to give the messenger a fake name <laughs> I think my my thought on this was much more like video game logic of the path to take. Here here is my pitch is kind of a mix of some of the original thoughts here. The king is the one that put the necromancer away. The messenger was literally like there when it sort of happened, you know, whatever the king did, whoever he sent, whatever the magic was that he sent along to make sure that the necromancer was buried, he sent this team. Pretty much the whole team went down to this messenger was there. This all happens, it shakes out the earthquake, all of this death energy comes out that the messenger wakes up and he's like, well, I got to do my job. We did it. We did the thing. And he comes back. The king is dead, has been dead all this time, as we mentioned, has been also pulled down in the earthquake. So we're like, oh God, we have to find this king. Here's the kind of video game logic of it is now that we know that the king has died in the interim and the messenger is back and we're there to help, we have to like break the death magic or even perversely use our own necromancy to free the king his soul from this hold to get the information about how we did it the first time so there's your boss fight one before we get to the necromancer i like that on a completely total tear away from what we've been talking about you know we've been talking about these all very seriously i even have the idea of like a comedic moment of level one adventurers they get hired by this messenger to escort them to deliver the message not realizing that the messenger is is dead has been raised by this this energy or whatever they get to the king they deliver the message and it's just for something that's someone sent five years ago like it's way too fucking late to do anything about (laughs) that's how they get involved in the bigger story past level one yeah yeah the king's like well this is this is my brother is going to be murdered he was murdered five years ago i don't what am i supposed to do with this Oh, whoopsie. I have a small thought, potential thought, for the gods are dead. That we keep seeing this cleric do this throughout as the the messengers in the, te- in the city and so on. People are trying to figure out what do we do? How do we go deal with this necromancer, etc. And this cleric is just there shouting this stuff constantly. We get to the last fight and we realize how the king did it. How the king took out the necromancer. The king all along has known that the gods are dead. There are no more miracles. There is no more divine magic left. So what he had to do was devise his own magic, which was sacrifice all of these heroes, and that energy is what will take out the necromancer. We discover only too late that we can do it, but we have to go out But we are the fuel. Mm -hmm. I like that. I had a a thought also that... The, the gods, the, the cleric is obsessing about how the fact that the gods are dead and the king is dead and there never were gods. There was one. It was the king. But like to not draw attention to himself as like this ultimate power, he kind of spread out like he, 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 he made up domains as if mm. different gods could give different things. But it was really just him behind all of it. And he just kind of compartmentalized it. And so when he died, the gods died. Yeah, they were also subsidiaries. Nice. (laughs) Or franchises. (laughs) Um, The other idea I had for this last card is that whatever, if 
the party goes down and the necromancer is still kicking and they end him and they end his ability to raise the dead by destroying whatever, you know, device or talisman or, or, you know, uh, artifact that he's using. What if the unfortunate side effect is that it closes off the path to the afterlife (laughs) that when you die, you just die. So you're dead, but no one's going to the afterlife. And so the gods are no longer getting their fuel, which is souls, new souls. And so he's realized that he's felt the lack and he realizes it's only a matter of time until the gods are dead. I like that so much. That's real good. So let's bring it all together. Let's find the, the sacred timeline here. It's funny because I think 15 minutes ago we had a completed story idea. Yeah. <laughs> and then we were just like, this is this is uh, another fun uh parting of the curtain for a game master of yeah i came up with the story idea let's say i ran it and then for the rest of a turn i'm like man you know what would have been cool (laughs) (laughs) would have been cool if i'd done ah damn it i should have done this thing instead (laughs) oh well boy yeah we've thrown a lot of spaghetti yeah so what's the what's the one we what do we like best i like you guys i think you're all pretty cool that's fair thanks man we like you too can we get back to work please (laughs) god um okay it seems like pretty much all the ones we talked about it's still a dead messenger, right? It's still a messenger who was like, doesn't realize they were raised or something. Yeah. yeah. That seems to be a relatively common thread. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. I'm really enamored with the idea of people are dying and not going to like the various gods domains. And so the gods are starving that they're, they're slowly dying because their followers can't get to them in the afterlife. Um, I don't know if that's the the ultimate one, but like, what a compelling end of like your first big story arc of setting up what it is you're going to do for the rest of your story. Yeah, I agree. Like, I, I think that hits harder if it is the realization after the defeat. Yeah. I think that's the, my God, what have we done? Because that also sets you up for all of the powers that are just below that level to fill in the vacuum. So like demons and genies and everything else that isn't quite a God but almost as powerful and doesn't require that system. So then for the middle, um, I feel like maybe the most compelling is the the switcheroo that it was the king all along, that he was the necromancer and this messenger had no idea what he was actually bringing. I like that. And I like also the idea because the earthquake opens everything up and seems to be the catalyst for the messenger's return and therefore the rest of the adventure that whoever said it before, the king faked their death so they could continue on their uh, evil side hustle. And then something goes wrong down there or they get trapped somehow. And then the earthquake kind of restarts whatever got interrupted, I think. Yeah. So it could have been a cave-in. It could have been he gets caught in some kind of feedback loop uh, of a spell he's working on or something, or I don't know, but like that's a kind of nice little wrinkle too. So then let me maybe add one more piece. The messenger was a contingency plan from the king. Mm. Like, like he had this kind of like dead man switch that like it got, he got stuck down there too or whatever, you know, it got trapped, but like the earthquake finally, it didn't, it didn't free the king from whatever had gone wrong, but it did free up this messenger to go, get people involved so that they could come free the king without knowing what they were doing. Yes, I like that. There it is. That it's like his, like, oh, if this doesn't work, the energy will go out far enough to activate this guy 
and he'll go bring me more fuel for what I'm doing. Yeah. Or he'll go bring someone that has the power to undo what I screwed up and get me back on track yeah. or something. Yeah. And can we all just appreciate Jake's double entendre of Dead Man Switch? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Do we want to do another one? I will draw first. Okay. What are you going to draw from? The main deck or one of the boosters? I think I'm going to draw from the, the base deck. Okay. I want to see what it's got to offer me. Whoop. All right. I have drawn card 96. The party is hired to clear the way for a new road through a forest filled with monsters. Okay. All right. And then what are the suggestions for placement there? Oh. Yeah. A great opening hook, but not necessarily where it has to go. So that's a great opening start. So who else wants to draw? Oh, I'll go. Okay. What are you going to draw from? Uh, well, I'm seeing that this is a, a thing through a forest. I might, I might have to look at jungle. Yeah. That's fair. There you go. Yeah. Okay, I have, from the jungle deck, card 18, a city stands at the top of a high butte. There is no obvious entry point. Ooh, and this is O and C, or I should say O or C. Nice. All right, Rev, you want to grab that last one? Yeah, I think to go off of what we've got, we we have this story of helping secure the area to pave a road through the jungle, and there's monsters. Tess took jungle. I think I'm going to go hell. Ooh, Maybe okay. get some some monster flavor here. There we go. Nice. Uh, so I have number 18. Two women stand over a decrepit well, chanting from a book. Light shoots out and tentacles emerge from its mouth. And this is O or R. Great. Yeah, so just by what the cards have presented, we have a clear kind of delineation here. We could do the parties hired to clear the way to the... Uh, forest full of monsters then we have kind of a twist in the middle with the women over the well and then we have the city at the end but we don't need to do it that way that's just a suggestion and at this point too as we kind of like talk through what we think the best order should be and flesh out this story if one card can starts to feel uh, just not right anymore we can burn it and just draw another one and do you have to have a lit candle always to burn the cards <laughs> Or can I burn them later? Yeah, you, you, I prefer the ones that are like cinnamon flavored. It really pairs okay. well with the uh, the uh, paper. Yeah. So this is how you keep people coming back. You, you insist. It's <laughs> yeah. part of the rules that you burn the cards, but you're going to need new cards later. <laughs> it's like that old Magic the Gathering set where you had to rip up one of the cards and fling the papers like confetti to destroy uh, permanents. And like you really had to like rip it up. I love it. So tell me if this is too much. Okay. I know we kind of talked about like, oh, yeah, we're going to sit here. And we're going to we're going to do this collaboratively. We've all heard the three prompts. Everyone give me a story pitch. Just like just a few seconds. Like mine would be the adventurers are hired to pave through to this road and they're trying to pave to the giant town on the hill. And the reason that the hill is there is because of these monsters. So they get there to discover that the town has the ability to lower it down, but they won't because of the danger. And at the center of it, the causing of these creatures are the two women at the well. That this light well is just generating whatever is looming in this forest. So they have to do something about that to complete the mission. I like that. Okay, here's mine. We actually start out, the people are from this city at the top. And it is a dangerous spot. They've actually built it to have no obvious entry points so that the things in the forest can't get to them. But they're running out of resources, so they hire this team to lead people through this monster-ridden forest, and that's when they find 
these witches that have been bringing the things to attack the city. That is almost exactly the pitch that I was thinking of. That's awesome. All right, here's here's mine. Okay. We have been hired to clear this road through this forest. We know it's a forest filled with monsters. We have an idea of the end point of where this road is going. We encounter the witches, and they are like ready for us and specifically trying to stop us. We don't know why, but that seems uncommon for like uncharacteristic of the type of monster attacks in this forest until we come across this city on the butte that we didn't know was going to be there, that we weren't told about. And now it seems like everything here is guard dogs. Like we were hired secretly to uncover, to find and get to this city, but we didn't know that. So now what are we on our way to? Yeah. Okay. I love the deck of stories ability to make some really amazing twists and take stories in ways you didn't plan because it's random. I like the idea, um, kind of like what Jake said, that we're hired to clear the way, come across these women, and they are the source of all the monsters. But what they're doing at the well is more of a protective thing, and that they've created this jungle as like a a, a monster reserve, like a nature preserve. And oh. the people on the high hill on the butte, they are literally ivory tower elites who want them to be killed so that they can have open season on the most dangerous game or whatever. Okay. Nice. That didn't even take us six minutes for four (laughs) different stories. (laughs) Yeah. And I would play all of them. Yeah. The reason I created these and like the game hooks that spawned them is that my kids started playing D and D. I introduced them to D and D like, gosh, four years ago. And the good thing is that they wanted to play all the time. And the bad thing is that they wanted to play all the time. And so (laughs) I could either start writing my own adventures or go broke buying all the official stuff. And so I started just like jotting down ideas that I could kind of like grab when they wanted to play because we had, you know, an hour before dinner or or what have you. And I was like, hey, these are great. I should like, you know, give these to other people so that other game masters who are pressed for time and money like me, they have these resources. And so I started putting them out and they got really popular. And then people would still like message me like, hey, these would be great for D&D. And I'm all, yeah. So I started laying out even the system of beginning, middle and end uh, and kind of codifying this as a way of developing stories. And um, I, I uh, used to teach in a, a homeschooling co-op and I would teach creative writing. And I would use these cards to help spark ideas like, hey, give me a a one paragraph short story based on this card prompt. And so it's been a really invaluable tool. And like I said before, I I just love the way it mixes and matches ideas so that your players are not like, oh, yeah, haunted house. I know what's going to happen here. And it ends with, you know, a spaceship in the basement. And they're like, I'm sorry, what? Uh, Because (laughs) of the way the cards work. That's so cool. All right. So I think that we should do a lightning round. Everybody just draw three cards. Don't tell us what they say, and then just tell us what your story pitch is from the three cards. Okay. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so I'm going to use mine because of the way that a lot of our stories go. You know, I really can't build a middle and an end for our stories. I can only build the hook, and then whatever happens from there happens. So I'm going to use my three to make a hook. Here's my hook. It starts in combat. Everyone is already fighting. You take down this person that you are battling, and before you can land the finishing blow, they surrender and request to be taken into custody. You take them into custody, you all lay down to go to sleep that night, and you can hear this bell start to echo over the town, and it is 
louder and louder to the point where it becomes deafening and walls shatter, glass breaks, people fall unconscious, bleeding from the ears. And as you all step back out into the town to see what is going on, you see the man that you have captured escaping and he is running through town and he kicks the door open and goes inside of this old house that is believed to be haunted that no one has ever been seen going into that has come out. Nice. And now you have to decide if you're going to pursue after him or possibly let him escape to wherever this goes. Hell yeah. Nice. I've got one I think is kind of mostly a little opening path as well, but it does at least fill out the bulk of what will go on here. So it starts out with going to my room in the inn, and I find a wild-eyed man muttering gibberish in my room. I think... Oh, in... that's a mirror. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, always. Um, I think the only thing that we make out from this muttering man is something like help them, help them, and so on and so forth. And I, we, the team, rushes out of the room to go get help. But they realize from this man's muttering that the door has started to glow. And as they open it, they open the door from the room in the inn and step out into a very different place. That place is a village of halflings begging for help as giants have attacked. Oh. <laughs> so that's kind of it. Like he's they've sent this guy to get help however possible and he's been he's some sort of wild wizard that only had this left on deck to to get a healthy team in to defeat these giants. I love that. And Tass also got in on deck. <laughs> 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 All right, here's mine. You enter a tavern and a barmaid gawks at you and says, Dad? And uh, this is your daughter that you haven't seen in a very long time, but she's not she's not happy to see you because she feels like you abandoned her as a child, but she is glad you're here because a bedtime story that you used to tell her, she thinks has a, a grain of truth, and she doesn't know where you got it. She doesn't know, like, she needs you to help with this because in exploration, she has recently discovered some ancient basalt boulders that bear carvings uh, that depict an apocalypse. And she she kind of like, the more she has thought about it and looked at them, the more like just, it has kind of tangentially like made sense in her head that it's linked back to the story. So she needs you. Like, where did you get this story? Look at these, help me figure this out. And like, you don't, you don't remember exactly where either, but over the course of this, you can kind of piece together. Oh, I remember I heard, I think I heard this from this person and where did that come from? What is the origin? Blah, blah, blah. And both unlocking how, why, and where you got your story and what this phenomenon is that is somehow intrinsically linked to it. And I think at the end, uh, like we talked about, like the, even when you succeed, like something, something fails that at the end, as you return back to town, thinking that you have been successful, uh, a legendary city has materialized outside of the port and its buildings appear to float. So a, a some whatever this apocalypse was that you have averted, you didn't just stop it. You have maybe changed the timer. And so some city has literally a sunken city has risen and is floating outside of the port. And things like this are popping up all over the world. There is more city and people and civilization than there is space for anymore and that is that will beckon the apocalypse if it is somehow not made right again like some blessing has brought back all of these people but it becomes 
unsustainable. Correct. It, it's a reverse Thanos snap. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> like I want to play all of these, but Jake's is wow. Um, <laughs> no, no, in a good way. Like that. That tickles me <laughs> in a one marvelous way. So basically, the party is going to get hired to be investigators because they need an independent third party because one of the most secure rooms in the treasure room in the castle has been just emptied but there's zero evidence that anyone went in or out and they can't figure out where the treasure went uh there's not like the dust hasn't been messed with or anything like that and upon investigation they realize that there's a particular guy uh, who's been using teleportation magic that's of a different type that's getting past the the wards and runes that would keep teleportation from happening. And they realize what he's done is he's actually uh, dug a tunnel inside the castle so that he is now inside the wards. And so he can uh, basically teleport from a tunnel beneath the castle. And he's made his way back to his hideout. After talking with the sheriff, they realize that this guy's a well-known rogue and a well-known... Uh, kind of thief they've never been able to pin anything on him before though but they kind of like they know what they know and so they's like all right well if you're going to finish this job you got to go get this guy but beware he's something of a paranoid and so they get to the house and the house is just full of traps like the door handle is red hot like think home alone but even deadlier and so now they have to run through this whole basically adventure inside this like three-story house where it is just traps just puzzles uh, trying to get there and all the while he's looking to escape they make it to the rooftop and uh just as they you know open the last hatch and they're like aha we've got them uh there's just a rope suspended from air uh and they look up and the guy's halfway climbing up uh the rope onto an airship where he's trying yes. to make his escape and that's where they end the episode because i drew a treasure has gone missing from a locked room you track a fugitive to his home for the local sheriff. His uh, house is filled with deadly traps. And then uh, a rope drops in front of you uh, from the sky. Your ride is here. That's so <laughs> awesome. I want to do that one. <laughs> uh, is there anything you feel like we're missing? Those were all very good. Yeah. Those were all very, very good. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Jason. Can you remind everybody where they can find Deck of Stories? Yeah, so the Deck of Stories was published by 1985 Games, and you can find that at uh, 1985games.com, or also the link is on my website, thecriticaldice.com. Uh, if you're looking for just like a one-shot at your table to spice things up or to infuse new energy into a game you've been playing for a while, uh, the Deck of Stories is a great way to do that, and uh, I hope you guys like it. All right, well, thank you, everybody, for joining us, and we will see you next week. The Deck of Stories is a storytelling tool to help you create a new adventure in 15 minutes. You can find it at www.1985games.com or www.thecriticaldice.com. The Fable and Folly Network where fiction producers flourish. You found the heart! She found a key to the heart. On the quest of a lifetime, three best friends take on a harrowing journey. Your mind and body will be tested in these upcoming weeks, as well as your heart. 
where more is at stake than a gift from the gods. Being with Albina and I is going to be... weird? Not bad weird, just, uh, different. Everything's different on the water. When new friends meet, you have an office? Where do you think I do all the pirate business? Pirates have business? It's a parchment nightmare. And family secrets are revealed. We could be twins. Yes, I've noticed. This young crew of adventurers will learn what it takes to complete the deadly journey to the heart. It's not like an island could set a trap for us. What? Lightning fog? Are you kidding me? But is getting what they want worth losing what they have? I was happy with you and Charlie. Was? Look at us! How could I be? Journey to the Heart. Now available everywhere you listen to podcasts. Tune in each week and vote for where you think the story should go next.